the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome again, folks, to the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour right here on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word. And uh, we're always very pleased when you join us. Uh, So is Alan Dempsey. He's our engineer. And Andrew Herdliske is our producer. Art Alley is here in Central Florida, founder of the Timothy Plan, author of Invested with Purpose, Art, welcome. Uh, how are things going? Pat, uh, just an honor to be on with you. And 50,000 watts. How Man, you may not know this. I used to have a show on WTLN back in the old days. I think there were only about 10,000 watts. Well, we're booming out all over uh, this part of Florida, Art. So I'm, I'm glad that you can join us here. What's the Timothy plan that you founded, Art? Well, uh, when we did, uh, they said it couldn't be done, you know, but I've never listened to them. I listened to the boss. Uh, The Timothy plan is, uh, plain and simple, a mutual fund family, just like all the other mutual funds in the investment industry. Uh, We have 13 different funds and different asset classes and categories. Uh, But what makes us different is we drew a line in the sand and said, you know what? Uh, we refuse to own shares of publicly traded companies that are pursuing an unholy agenda. Mm. Uh, and that would include, you know, involvement in abortion, uh, pornography, anti-family entertainment, non-traditional married lifestyles, uh, as well as the production of alcohol, tobacco, and casino gambling, uh, simply because those, those can be addictive and uh, really destroy a family. Uh, but we will not own those companies, and there, there's a bunch of them doing that uh, that people would not be aware of. And uh, when we started 25 years ago, Pat, uh, we started with the question for investors. If you are pro-life, how much money do you want to invest in abortion? Mm. Uh, if you're not pro-life, it doesn't matter. There's 10,000 great mutual funds out there, but you know, you're going to end up owning companies that violate, uh, your, your biblical Christian principles. So that was our differentiation. We were the pioneer at that time. Uh, it has grown, uh, faith-based investing has grown a lot since we launched this 25 years ago. I want you to <clears throat> talk to us about your new book. Invested with Purpose, the birth of the biblically responsible investment movement. Uh, what's in the book? What uh, sets this book apart? Well, Pat, I'm not like you. You know, I didn't want to write this book. <laughs> they had to hold me down and beat on me. And you, I mean, you've written, what, 200 books now? <laughs> uh, not quite. You know, I exaggerate, but, you know, you've, you've done a great job on that. I didn't want to do this. Mm-hmm. But when I came to grips with the fact that you know, our story is simply a documented testimony of God's hand in this business over these 25 years uh, is something that we did have to share. So, uh, yeah, uh, they convinced me. We put it together in a book, and it's uh, about to be launched. How is the uh, book, uh, or how is it different uh, from other business or investment books out there? Well, we were founded uh, on biblical principles, and that runs throughout our organization, Pat. Uh, everybody who, you know, we've grown from a handful of people to I guess we've got about 30 now in our headquarters here in Maitland. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what sets us apart is our adherence to uh, God's Word and biblical principles. He says more about handling money than any other subject, and yet... All the training uh, that we get, if we're honest with ourselves, of handling money comes from the world, not the church. Uh, so 
we're committed to biblical principles, and that, uh, interestingly enough, means uh, uh, something else. People mistakenly uh, call and say, man, I want to invest in your, your mutual funds because you only invest in good companies. Well, there's a biblical principle that there's none righteous, not one, only Christ. Uh, so I try to make it clear it's not that we invest only in good companies. We just refuse to invest in companies that are pursuing an unholy agenda. Companies are run by people. People, by our sin nature, are not fully righteous. Uh, but there is a big difference, Pat, and we refuse to, to support the enemy. And, in fact, one of my friends, I don't know if you know uh, Kevin Freeman, but this guy is a, mm-hmm. uh, an economist that uh, understands the risks we have worldwide in the investment world. Uh, he made a comment to our board of trustees one time, uh, which was just blew me away, and I'm the guy that helped found this thing. He said, if you're not carefully screening how you invest the money God's entrusted to you, you could inadvertently be funding your own destruction. Mm. That was uh, that's uh, and he's right. Uh, but you know we don't judge anybody. We're just here for those that really do want to uh, align uh, the way they invest the money that God's entrusted to them uh, with His principles, and we do not deviate from that path. My guest is Art Alley. His book is coming out. <clears throat> invested with purpose. All right, when you were uh, back at uh, Cleveland State University, you'd just gotten a degree in accounting and finance. Could you at that point ever have envisioned what you're doing now? No, never, never. Uh, and during my first 18 years in this industry, this investment industry, I wouldn't have envisioned it. And like so much uh, of, of what happens in life, I didn't even really want to do this. I had a very nice, lucrative financial planning practice here in Central Florida. Uh, but God has this two-by-four with my name on it, and Pat, it hurts. And I know he's used it on you a couple of times, or you wouldn't be doing what you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it had to be done. It was a, a high-risk thing. My friends on Wall Street said, you are crazy. Uh, my wife still says that, by the way. Uh, but you can't uh, put together a mutual fund program that screens out investing in some of the largest, most profitable companies in the industry. And my comment to them, Pat, then was the same as my comment now. Obedience trumps performance every single time. Mm. Uh, but we've proven over 25 years, you really don't sacrifice performance by being obedient. Uh, you know, there are times we may trail the indexes uh, when the big boys are running, and there's other times when we uh, when we beat them when the big boys are coming back to earth. Um, but, you know, we, we do not, no matter what it is, uh, God called us to do this. We will not uh, dishonor him by, by trying to blend it with the way the world does things. Where does Bonnie Alley fit into this? Well, she's the boss, man. Uh, she, uh, at the very beginning, when we launched this, I went home, and I've learned, Pat, uh, you really do need to talk over business ventures with your wife if you are married, because God gives them a certain sense. They don't even have to understand the business, but he equips them with a certain sense about things. Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of scars for all the times I didn't. So I went home this time, uh, back in the beginning, I said, Bonnie, you know, I think we need to do this. What do you think? And she got excited. And then I said, well, we need to name it something. And uh, she started searching through some of our biblical study materials and all. I came across 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Mm. And that is simply uh, the verse that says, uh, if you... Um, uh, you're responsible for, for your household, even those, uh, you know, your family, your household. Uh, and if you don't uh, uh, take care of that, you're worse than an unbeliever. And uh, verse 22 of the same chapter is avoid evil. And it just came together for us. My guest is Art Alley. We got another segment with Art to uh, talk further about the 
Timothy Plan and his new book, Invested with Purpose. Just a reminder, <clears throat> this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. We get together like this every weekend on the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. We're always very, very pleased uh, when uh, you get to join us. Speaking of books, by the way, my latest book is just out. It's called Lead Like Walt. Uh, We look at Walt Disney through the narrow focus of what made him a great leader. Uh, The book's just getting out. I, I hope you'll enjoy it. More with Art Alley right after this. Art Alley is with us from his offices in Maitland, Florida. Uh, We're talking about his uh, plan that he founded, the Timothy Plan. And the new book is coming, Invested with Purpose. Uh, There's six areas here about this whole subject we're talking about, Art. I'm going to lay each one out. You tell us about it, and then we'll move to the next one. Uh, Number one, to conduct every phase of our business in a manner that brings honor and glory to our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Well, that was our uh, foundational principle. We have not varied from that. Uh, In the eyes of the world, I mean, you know, we have passed the billion-dollar asset category, but we could have been much larger than that had we blended with the world. But that does not honor Christ, and we just won't do that. Uh, so, yeah, we are committed to that principle. That is our foundational principle. Principle number two, to provide our mutual fund shareholders with the finest quality service available in the financial services industry. And I think all of our shareholders would uh, would testify that we do do that. And if we didn't do that, we would be violating principle number one. Mm-hmm. Principle number three, to retain the confidence and trust of our shareholders through our total commitment to honesty and integrity in managing every aspect of their investments in the Timothy Plan Mutual Funds. Well, if we weren't committed to that, we'd be violating principle one and two. Uh, so, yeah, we, we take that very seriously. Principle number four, to consistently demonstrate our dedication to professionalism and excellence in everything we do. Well, so many, you know, we don't even realize that people are watching us. And, uh, you know, sometimes you're the only Christ they'll ever see. And if you don't do that, uh, then you're just like the world. And, and uh, you know, we are, again, we honor that principle. Uh, Art, principle number five, uh, to communicate with a sincere, caring attitude toward every shareholder or prospective shareholder. Fill us in on that. Well, you know, so many businesses uh, are founded uh, on what the founder understands in how to operate a business. Mm -hmm. They get all of their training from the world, not from Scripture. Uh, we we uh, do not do that here, and uh, so it doesn't matter. We are not money-driven, uh, greedy money-driven. We're driven, uh, and we understand the business we're in. We are not. We do mutual funds. That's what we are, but we are in the service business, and our job is to serve our clientele at the highest level that we can. Number six. Uh, to always place our shareholders' financial well-being above, above our own. Yeah, that would that would go with uh, my comment on five. Uh, that you know, our shareholders are are really our most important uh, clients. Uh, they actually are the ones that own the mutual funds, the shareholders of any mutual fund, not us. We just operate it, and uh, you know, we don't operate it out of Maitland, Florida. Exactly, we are the advisor, the distributor, the underwriter of the fund family. Uh, But there are so many moving parts and pieces. We do not manage the money ourselves. We engage professional money management firms at the best of class in the various asset classes. And, you know, we got like nine different money managers all over the country. 
we engage uh, Ultimus Fund Services to do our back office, and they are committed to excellence. Uh, you know, our auditors are in Ohio. Our, our fund council is in in um, Texas. Uh, our, our institutional consultants are out of Atlanta. You know, we got a lot of moving parts and pieces. We're more like the orchestra director. But what we do do here, Pat, mm-hmm. is we're serious about the, the screening uh, research. We screen the companies that we will not allow our money management firms to own because they violate uh, the biblical principles that we're founded on. All right. <clears throat> How did you end up in Maitland, Florida? Well, geez, it's been over 40 years, Pat, you know, and I'm old enough now I can't hardly remember, but we were in Houston. Really? Uh, raising our family. And that's where I actually got into the investment industry. They hired me in Houston. Uh, and when they did, I said, you know what, uh, thank you for, for offering me the job, but I really don't want to live in Houston. Mm. And in spite of that, they continued to talk to me. I said, well, where would you like to live, sir? Well, Bonnie's parents were in Orlando. We had visited. It was a nice little town back mm-hmm. then. Uh, and Houston was too big. So what happened? We moved here and they changed it. I mean, all you have to do is ride on I-4 to find out how much they changed it. And, Art, uh, with no end in sight, I would say. About yeah, that, I know. Th- this yeah, not in my lifetime are they going to finish that thing. And the gr- uh, but you know that's part of it. That's you know it's long overdue. Time they finish, it'll probably be outdated. Uh, but I, I can't even visualize what it's going to look like. But uh, you know, Pat, there's another thing. If I've got time, just to inject. Please here. do. Yes. You know, we got we have developed over these 25 years so many tools and resources for the body of Christ, those with with convictions, to use to understand what they're doing. Uh, one of them is called Evaluator. Uh, we actually share with the uh, financial and uh, advisor world our research on these companies we won't own, and uh, we produce a, a um, report for you know everybody owns mutual funds, but they really don't know what they own. Uh, if they want to call us uh, and tell us the name of the fund, we'll give them a free report and tell them how much money that fund has invested in abortion and pornography and the other things. Uh, that's one service. We've got uh, my favorite one, and the only other time I've ever written anything, Pat, uh, was years and years and years ago because people just did not get what we were doing in the early days. They weren't thinking in those terms, and Lord and I had a lot of conversations going back and forth to the office. And one morning... Uh, it came to me clear, uh, crystal clear, they don't understand. And uh, he was right. Uh, so I uh, took three months off, hibernated, and wrote a nine-hour biblical uh, stewardship study guide that covers biblical stewardship from cradle to grave, and it exposes... Uh, the the fallacy of the way we've been operating, uh, handling money, because we do it the world's way, because the church isn't teaching us. This course uh, is about uh, 19 years old now. Mm. Uh, but the principles are correct, the resources are outstanding, and we have it up for free on our website for anybody that wants to go through it as a family, teach their children, teach themselves. Because if we don't start handling the money God has entrusted to us biblically, we are going to go off the rails. And so many people, that I mean, that's the number one cause of divorce, number one cause of prisons being overcrowded, everybody's chasing money, and uh, money is not the answer. The biblical principles behind handling money is the only way you're going to find contentment. So it's on our webpage, uh, timothyplan.com, right on, right on the homepage. You just may have to scroll down a little. Click on it, and it's yours for free. You can go through it at your leisure. Uh, but that's a powerful tool. And we have other things uh, uh, available to investors because our mission is to equip those in the body of Christ to, to, with tools that will help them handle their entire lives biblically. 
And all we are is a resource. We're not dictating anything, but we sure provide a lot of service. All right. What do you talk about when you uh, speak at a conference or a seminar or a workshop? Well, actually, I'm leaving in uh, an hour to go to Washington, D.C., uh, to address the annual conference of Nehemiah Ministries. Uh, and uh, that that uh, ministry uh, really teaches Christian business people how to be biblical entrepreneurs. And they want me to come out and testify how, you know, we have Timothy as a biblical thing, and I'm going to give my testimony of what, what all we did there uh, and how they have to re-look at things. And, you know, the core part of my, uh, I don't know, I never know what I'm going to say. God God says it through me. I don't know what I said after I'm done until I listen to the recording. <laughs> uh, but one of the principles, Pat, is uh, the, the failure that we have by being programmed to think like the world thinks. And uh, the, the number one item, the biggest problem in, in I believe, Christendom and, and non-Christendom alike uh, is the answer to the question, who are you thinking about 95% of the time? And the real, honest answer is yourself. And as long as you're thinking of yourself and I'm thinking of myself and everybody else thinking of themselves, we're going to be at loggerheads with each other. And uh, so I'm going to go through a little program with them on how to get out of that trap. Put the Lord first, but others second, and yourself last. If you can do that. Uh, you really have uh, served him well. All right, tell me about the cruise you took this summer. Oh, oh, well, you know, we love doing that, Pat. And, and I mean, we've probably been on over 30 cruises now. Really? And uh, what was left on my bucket list was the Baltic. Uh, Mike Huckabee has become a good friend, and he sponsored a Baltic cruise, so... Uh, and, and uh, you know, we sponsor some of your listeners. Uh, uh, tune in to Dan Celia now uh, uh, in Central Florida. And Dan is, is a rock-solid Christian economist. Well, Mike called Dan uh, to see if he would speak on the cruise. And Dan called me and says, I ain't going unless you go. So Bonnie and I got roped into it. Mm. But it was a wonderful cruise on the Baltic and a place we've never been before. And. And, uh, you know, the one, uh, the captain was one of the most personable of the ship that we've ever seen. And when he addressed us opening night, I mean, this guy got it. He, he looked at this crowd, put his arms out wide, and he says, welcome to the Democrat free zone. And uh, uh. The ship just erupted. I mean, because there wouldn't have been too many of those Democrats on this cruise. Um, and I'm not trying to demean them, but they, they sure have gone off the rails totally uh, these days. Anyway, it was a great cruise. We had great people. It was uh, Your daughter actually performed on the cruise, man, uh, with her husband, and uh, they were the entertainment along, you know, with uh, uh, Al Benson, uh, yes. his group that he puts together. It was just total uh, worship and, and fun and good, and, and we visited a lot of great countries. Did one country um, stand out? Well, uh, my least favorite was uh, I always wanted to get to, to Russia, to St. Petersburg. Mm -hmm. And it was great. And I mean, uh, but, you know, I, I went with the knowledge that, you know, these Russians, they only they only let you go where they want you to see. Uh, and they were long tours. My favorite city was Copenhagen. Really? Why? And it reminded me a lot of Venice. It was just incredible. Mm -hmm. But they were all clean from, from every place we went. And confession, Bonnie and I, uh, Christmas may be impacted this year because we ate Rudolph. Uh, they served uh, uh. Rain, they served <clears throat> reindeer meatballs at, at one of these places, and we tried them. What were they uh, like? I wouldn't want them for a regular, but then it occurred to us, yeah, man, we're eating Rudolph here. <laughs> were they tasty or not? Uh, <clears throat> they were a little dry. I mean, I wouldn't, they're not my taste, but at least we tried them. Uh, how, do you, um, how do you put Mike Huckabee in perspective? Mike is the real deal, man. I mean, he is one of the best communicators. Uh, Bonnie and I uh, became really good friends with him when we helped him during his last campaign for president. Uh, we came, uh, became good friends with his daughter, 
who was even outshining him or has been until she had to go home for the family, which we understood. But Sarah is just, you know, she inherited her dad's ability to communicate. Uh, he has a way of taking the very complex and making it crystal clear simple. Uh, and, uh, you know, he hasn't caved into the political uh, uh, pressures that a lot of uh, people that have been in politics uh, uh, have done. Uh, so uh, I love the guy. Uh, I wish he would run for something, but uh, uh, he says it, it'd be more likely that he'd have open-heart surgery than, than <laughs> run for anything again. It's just too painful and too expensive. Art Alley has been our guest. <clears throat> the book, Invested with Purpose. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, The Word in Orlando. Art Alley, our guest in that first segment, talking about his book, Invested with Purpose. Dr. DeForest Sores joins us. Uh, from his home in central New Jersey. His new book is out, Say Yes When Life Says No. Nice to visit with you, Doc. How you doing? Thank you so much. I'm honored to be with you, and thank God for what you do with this platform, this media platform you have. Where did your nickname Buster come from? You'd have to ask my mother. Uh, <laughs> uh, she, uh, <laughs> uh, she assigned me that name before I had anything to say about it. And it stuck. And it stuck. I see. Until I started paying taxes, the government refused to uh, call me that. So the government called me DeForest. But my friends called me Buster. And I see you got a really nice endorsement on your new book from uh, Dr. Tony Evans. Tony and I have been friends for years. And um, I preach for him every year down in Dallas, and he's been very kind to give me a, a very nice endorsement. Yes. Well, <clears throat> I need the background on this book. Say yes when life says no. Uh, how did the book come about? Well, this book specifically grew out of a diagnosis in 2010. And my doctor told me I had cancer. Really? And when the doctor told me I had cancer, uh, well, this was the best year of my life professionally. Uh, my work was going well. Personally, I was walking four miles a day, abstaining from sweets and sh uh, sugar and soda. I was walking on the treadmill. Um, my sons were in college doing well. Uh, CNN had done a documentary on our financial ministry, uh, 90 minutes of uh, coverage for our church and our ministry without any scandal, <laughs> mm. <laughs> a blessing. And uh, towards the end of the year, the doctor told me that the test I had taken had come back positive, but I had prostate cancer. And uh, as soon as I heard the word cancer, my, my mind went straight to death. I said uh, that this is a death sentence. Um, so I went to Scripture, as uh, I think all Christians should, and certainly as a pastor would, would necessarily do. <clears throat> and I went there to be inspired and uh, further informed about the healing power of God. I went to John chapter 9, where I remember Jesus had healed a man who uh, had a different kind of infirmity, but uh, he had been blind all of his life. And the purpose of that, and, and I think all believers should know that the purpose of going through familiar scriptures is to receive a new message. Uh, just because you're familiar with a text doesn't mean that that text has spoken to you in that situation uh, that you've never experienced before. And so I always look to familiar texts to hear something new from God. And what happened to me was precisely that. I was really focusing on Jesus and what Jesus did to heal the man who had been born blind. And the man who had been born blind ended up uh, instructing me in ways that I had not anticipated. And my whole life has changed as a result of my emulating, imitating, and uh, being motivated by what the blind man did throughout that day in response to all of his challenges and uh, 
it gave me not only the impetus for changing my own response to God, but it also gave me a format that I could share with others through this book. So I had to say yes, even though cancer represented a big no that life had brought my way. Well, there are 10 uh, interesting chapters built around that word no. Let's get started. Uh, sure. you, you open, number one, the no of being blind. Uh, what do you want to add here? Well, you know what struck me? When I was told that I had cancer, I, in my mind, I had begun to shut down. Uh, just like people do in my ministry, I've met people who, when they are confronting a very difficult challenge or when a door has been closed in their face or when a relationship breaks up, uh, they, we have a tendency to just shut down, not want to talk about it, not want to share with other people. Uh, even, even worse, sometimes we put on a happy face even though we're distraught on the inside. Mm-hmm. Uh, what struck me about this blind man, Brother William, in verse 1, in, in chapter 9 of, of, uh, of the Gospel of John, it says, As Jesus walked, walked along, he saw a man born blind. And it hit me like a boulder that the man, although he had been blind all of his life, was not shutting down. He did not lock his doors. He did not uh, end his movement. But rather, he got up that morning uh, blind, but he apparently said to himself, I may be blind, but I'm only blind. And he could walk, he could talk, he could dress. He got up, and because he was willing to go outside, to go beyond his comfort zone, to go beyond the space of his home, when Jesus passed by, he was in a position for Jesus to see him. And and if you if you notice when you read the book, uh, almost 20% of the book is just on that. Because what I find is that when people lose their jobs or when people have a breakup or when people are are, are facing financial difficulties, if we shut down, if we lock ourselves into the circumstances, we become prisoners of our of of our, of the day, and and we fail to go out to position ourselves to meet people, to see opportunity, to be blessed by God, and. That really changed me. Just that one verse changed my life because it gave me the inspiration and impetus to tell my wife to announce to the church. You know, when I announced to the whole church that I had cancer, what the blessing was that other men that had prostate cancer literally came up to me and gave me advice and told me their testimonies and they knew how to pray for me. Women who had breast cancer. In other words, if I had kept all of that pain to myself, I would have avoided having the blessings that were in other people's testimonies because I would have been locked, as it were, in my house of cancer rather than positioning myself to be seen by the church and the body of Christ. Uh, let's get to the second topic, the no of being lonely. This is chapter two in the book, but That's it was right. the last chapter I wrote. Because when I when I stepped back and looked at the entire manuscript, I realized that something was missing. What was missing was the fact that throughout this encounter that the blind man had with Jesus, it was just the blind man himself. He had family in the area, clearly because his family had been questioned after he had been healed. But when it says that Jesus saw the blind man, period, he had no friends with him, he had no family with him. And that meant he was alone. I never felt more alone than I did when the doctor said, you have cancer. Clearly, other people had cancer also. But when you are facing and experiencing a negative situation, you, you, you really don't think about the multitudes of other people that have the same experience. Now, <clears throat> what, what happened to me as I really was led by God, the Holy Spirit, deeply into this blind man's experience, who, by the way, in the book I call Mr. Blind Man because he's become really my hero and my mentor. (laughs) It it occurred to me that although this blind man was alone, physically alone, in the presence of people that he did not know, he did not allow his being alone to turn into loneliness. Loneliness can turn into despair. Loneliness can cause us to be irrational when we are alone, whether it's 
alone on the unemployment line, alone in a hospital bed, whether we, whatever circumstance you face, it's just you. I mean, initially, it's, it, it was just me. I was diagnosed with cancer. But I had to choose, like this blind man, to avoid allow, allowing myself to become lonely, which is an emotional uh, drag on life, and choose to let my aloneness turn into solitude. Solitude is a time that's redemptive. Solitude means that I have time to pray and reflect and think about Scripture. And so what I talk about in Chapter 2 is the difference between loneliness and solitude. On the outside, they look exactly the same. But on the inside, if you understand the value and the power and the option of solitude, you can overcome your aloneness and turn what is a negative potentially into a positive. Now, uh, Buster, let's talk about number three, the no of being judged. Explain that. The disciples who were with Jesus assumed that the man was blind because of sin, sin that he had committed, sin that his parents had committed. That was prejudgment. People often look at others and, and come to conclusions about them before knowing any of the facts. Yet, this, this man withstood the prejudgment of these disciples and opted to hang in there. He stayed close to Jesus. And despite the fact, despite the fact that they had the wrong impression of him, he pressed, he pressed on. You know, um, all of us, it doesn't matter whether you're male or female, rich or poor, uh, black, white, Hispanic, Asian, all of us are subject to uh, a culture that causes other people to come to conclusions about us. And again, when those conclusions are negative, it's, it's as if people are saying no, no to you. No, I don't want uh, someone of your type in my crowd. No, I don't want someone from your background on my job. And the challenge is to know within ourselves that we're created by God, that God ordained who we would become before we were even born. And there's got to be a yes in us that gives us the power to resist giving up when others assume that we, 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 we have no destiny. My guest is Dr. DeForest Sores. Uh We're talking about his book, Say Yes, When Life Says No. Uh, Doc, we've arrived at the fourth topic, the no of negative people. <laughs> well, uh, all of my life, uh, as I've looked at it now through this lens of John chapter 9, I have been surrounded by uh, people who, who started out positive but ended up negative. My, my sixth grade teacher once told me, that uh, if I ever graduate from high school, if uh. with a capital I, that uh, I would go to jail. Uh. Uh, she she clearly was was a negative person uh, in my life, and again, um, like this man who was born blind, uh, he did not allow negative people to uh, stop him from staying put and staying close to Jesus. And in so doing, he was available to be blessed. Now, it's, it's easier said than done, and I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a motivational speaker that believes that all you have to do is hear something good and then run out and feel good. Um, the fact of the matter is, um, if, if negative people have poured negative ideas into you long enough, you can begin feeling negative about yourself. And that's why a relationship with God through Christ is the ultimate uh, resource for us as we attempt to stay positive, as we attempt to see ourselves uh, positively, as we attempt to turn uh, lemons, as it were, into lemonade, uh, that this is not just positive thinking. This is really staying so close to the one who overcame death that we truly, by the power of his Spirit, believe we can overcome circumstances, including negative people who offend you, negative people who try to deter you, 
negative people who may even try to block you. And now, uh, number five, the no of uncertainty. Uh, this this chapter, which I hope everyone will read, even if you don't read my book, please read John chapter nine, mm-hmm. because on, on John in John chapter nine, it is just absolutely stunning to see that a, a man who has had all of these challenges brought about by blindness all of his life would actually go through all of what he went through on the day of of his victory. And, and I just want to say parenthetically before I go to this chapter, the, the reality is that when we think we have gone through all we can handle, right before we receive our healing, our blessing, our breakthrough, our victory, things could get worse. If you recall, this is not in the book, if you recall that the children of Israel when they were at the Red Sea, probably thought that things could not get worse. And the very wind that God sent to open the Red Sea was the wind that probably made them feel like they were really about to die. So in in John chapter 9, what happens is here's a man who's been blind all of his life. Here's a man who's already uh, uh, established as having been alone. Here's a man who was prejudged by the disciples. And now, all of a sudden, the stranger, who is Jesus, and he doesn't know who Jesus is, is, is heard spitting, and he's spitting on, on dirt and makes a mud cake and puts it in the man's eye. Buster, we've got to take a break. Uh, this is the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. It's the new AM 990 and FM 101.5, the word in Orlando. We'll be back. <clears throat> Dr. DeForest Soares is with us from central New Jersey. Uh, Buster, I want you to pick up, write what you were telling us before the break, please. Right. So now this blind man hears the spit, which, by the way, could have been aimed at him, but he stands there, and then feels the mud in his eyes, which was an indignity above all indignities. It's bad enough that he's blind, bad enough that he's alone, bad enough that he's been prejudged by these disciples. Now, this stranger named Jesus puts a mud cake in his eye. And it's uncertain as to what's happening. But but, but this man, for some reason, and, and I don't fully understand the reason, but all I know is that he, by his behavior, gives us an example of hanging in there and and not withdrawing and seeing things through even when it looks like bad has turned to worse. I've, I've, uh, I, I wrote this in the book. Uh, I have a workbook that, that goes with the book that, that really gives a step-by-step strategy on how to get to the next level. Um, but I've learned to stop saying what else could happen because I've learned that the devil has an answer to that question. When, when, when things are going bad, I said, oh, my God, what else could happen? Something else happened. But even when something else happens, and this is the core message of the book, if I'm still breathing, if I still have blood in my veins, if I woke up this morning, it means that God, who has more power than any circumstance, still has a plan for me. God still has a destiny for me. God still has a purpose for me. And God will still give me the power that I need to respond to every one of life's knows. Jesus told his disciples in John 16, he said, look, in the world, you're going to have trouble. And and Brother Williams, a part of my motivation for this book is because so many Christians have become disenchanted with God because they were taught that once they had a relationship with God through Christ, everything would be fine. And, and the question is, how, how could a pastor get cancer? A person that preaches the gospel, that teaches the Bible, how could that happen? How can faithful people have, have negative outcomes in life? Well, it just ha- Jesus promised that we will have trouble in life, and it doesn't matter how thick your Bible is, it doesn't matter how high your praises are, we are going to have no's in our life. But he also said, fear not because he had overcome the world. 
So the fact that things are uncertain, the fact that you can't see it, that was that was my my real connection to this man. I could not see beyond my cancer. This man could not see that that made us that made us partners. That made us siblings in our inability to see. I could not see beyond my no, but this man's behavior gave me a list of things which, if I were to imitate what he did, if I were to emulate his behavior, that even though I couldn't see it, God had a yes for me, and so I had to say yes in spite of the no of cancer until I became cancer-free, which I am today. Now, uh, Buster, number six, the no of the wrong pool. Explain that one. Jesus told the blind man after he placed mud on the man's eyes Mm -hmm. to go wash in the pool of Siloam, and then John says that the man did that and came back and he could see. I couldn't understand why this man thought it was wise to go to the pool of Siloam when the healing had occurred at the pool of Bethesda. In John chapter 5, it says that crowds of people were at the pool of Bethesda, Bethesda meaning house of mercy, to receive their healing. And a man who was sitting there 38 years but couldn't get in the pool fast enough to be healed was healed by Jesus. So if, if in Jerusalem, everybody understood that healing happened at the pool of Bethesda, how is it that this man, upon hearing Jesus, agreed to go, as it were, to the wrong pool? What, what's interesting to me is that this, this man proved to me that there are times when you have to choose, uh, as the poet said, the road less taken. There are times when we have to stand alone. There are times when we have to enjoy being in the minority. You know, Joshua and Caleb came back and told Moses that they could overcome the promised land. Two, ten said, we can't go over there, they're too big. And and human instincts lead us to want approval and affiliation. And I found in my own life, there have been times when I felt weird because I was an outsider, or I felt weird because I wasn't a part of the crowd. But this man resisted, he resisted, the temptation to be embraced by the crowd. He resisted the temptation to ignore what Jesus said and go over to the pool of Bethesda. And in so doing, he went someplace where healing had never been known to occur before. He went to the to the pool of Siloam instead of the pool of Bethesda. And he did it just because Jesus said so. You know, Jesus gives us instructions that sometimes seem counterintuitive. Love your enemies. Pray for those, you know, who are against you. Wash your followers' feet. And and Jesus' instructions are counterintuitive and in many ways countercultural. But this blind man reminded me that if I just do what Jesus said, despite what the crowd does, then I will receive from God what God has for me. Dr. DeForest Soares, his book is called Say Yes When Life Says No. Uh, Doc, we've arrived now at the seventh no. It's the no of new devils. Uh, You're going to have to explain that. (laughs) You know, uh, one could easily see that the devils that this man encountered were both spiritual and physical. One could say that the devil of blindness was real. One could say that the devil of prejudgment was real. One could say that the devil of having mud in your eye. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to understand the devil. What struck me in this passage was that the same people who saw the blind man when he was blind but ignored him were now fascinated and opposed to him because he could see. And so it, it, it really it really prepared me because there 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 are people who just aren't that excited about our success. There are people in this blind man's life who weren't really impressed with the fact that he could see. They challenged whether or not he was really him. They challenged whether or not 
Jesus who had healed him was authentic and whether or not he was a sinner. And I think we just have to be prepared for the fact that when we graduate from school, when we start a new business, when we're part of a championship team, when we're happily married, when we get our new job, um, there are people who will not be excited and will come against us who have never bothered us before. I, I call this uh, having new devils as we arrive at new levels. And if we're not prepared for that, we, we will be emotionally and otherwise uh, unprepared such that it will surprise us and perhaps throw us off of our game. Uh, I, I've been in the church now for 29 years, and I know there are people who have just been praying for my fall. There have been people on the edge of their seats waiting to see what's wrong with me. Uh, and it happens to everybody. The more blessings God gives you, the more opposition, the more spiritual warfare, the more devils you're going to confront. And, and so, uh, as Paul told 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 uh, the Ephesians, you know, we, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We've got to be ready for spiritual wickedness in high places. Well, folks, we've run out of time, but let me tell you this. <clears throat> the three no's <clears throat> we did not get to, the no of an unexpected future, the no of misinterpreted signs, and the no of an ultimate ending. Uh, you get the book and uh, you can cover them on your own. Folks, we've got to wrap up right after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 FM 101.5, The Word. In Orlando. Stay with us. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. In the first segment, Art Alley was with us, founder of the Timothy Plan, uh, talking about his book, Invested with Purpose. And then we swung from Maitland, where Art Alley is, to central New Jersey. And Dr. DeForest Sores uh, spent time with us talking about his new book, Say Yes When Life Says No. My latest book is just out, folks. It's called Lead Like Walt. We look at Walt Disney through the narrow focus of leadership and what made him such a remarkable leader. I think you'll enjoy it. Going up to Amazon and and order. The book uh, hits bookstores on September 3rd, but you can go up to Amazon and uh, get a head start. Uh, We're back next weekend for more on the Pat Williams Saturday Power Hour. This is the new AM 990 and FM 101.5 The Word in Orlando. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.